You're listening to the Sports on Tap Podcast Network. Cheers to sports. Welcome into the Pod That Brothers Podcast. Today we're doing an NBA Finals edition, and uh, we have two parts. Uh, we have had earlier with Adam Taylor um, talking more Boston Celtics and NBA Finals preview. And now I'll let you introduce yourself. Uh, we have our Golden State Warriors guy here. And uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Plug anything you want, and we appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm Cyrus Sotzes. Uh, follow me on Twitter at DogSurfRocho. Um, I host two Warriors podcasts. One of them is with uh, NBA Hall of Famer Rick Barry. It's called The Rick Barry Show. And that's part of a, so you can follow that program at Warriors24Pod. He actually has his own little network now. Um, and, and then I also host the Warriors podcast, a daily podcast uh, for called Locked on Warriors, which is part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Um, and that's where you'll find me do more daily uh, content. So, yeah, other than that, just been in this game for a long time, getting old, I guess. Um, but still having fun and, and pleasure to be with you guys. Pleasure is ours, man. I guess yeah, it's pretty probably pretty fun talking to Rick Barry. Got some underhand free throw uh, talk, I'm sure, <laughs> here and there. <laughs> and still don't know why no, no one will do underhand free throws to fix their free throw problems. It's oh, still yeah, beyond we- me. We've talked about that for a long time. I don't know if you, you two have watched the show Winning Time on HBO. Have you seen that yet? Uh, Sammy has. I haven't got I'm four episodes, five episodes, four episodes in, I think. So far. Okay. Yeah, I just I just finished it, and I and I only bring that up because uh, Rick was in there briefly. I don't know if you saw that cameo. Um, I'm not used to him being in a warrior. I'm sorry, in, in a Rockets uniform, um, which is what he was. Uh, and I just hosted a new show with him yesterday to do like an NBA Finals preview, and he did not like the show. He's about the same length in as you are four episodes. Like I said, I just finished it. And I I mean, you can't, as long as you uh, disregard the character portrayals, it's a fantastic show because yeah. um, clearly the portrayals are not accurate, but they do emphasize at the beginning of the show, uh, you know, that it's fictionalized. But um, yeah, I, I bring that up because Rick's doing the underhanded thing in there. It was just a, a quick little uh, cameo, but um, and it wasn't him. It was an actor playing him, but. Uh, yeah, we talked about that. And like his son, Canyon, funny enough, he's with the yeah. G League uh, Iowa Wolves, or the G League affiliate for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And um, he's still, he shoots underhanded there. He's close to 90% as a free throw shooter. The wow. Lakers brought Rick in back in the 90s to try and teach Shaquille O'Neal how to shoot like that. And Shaq was like, no. <laughs> they just don't like the style. They don't like people seeing like it's not, that. It's not cool, right? It's, it's not, not cool. cool yeah. Like, Will Chamberlain did it for a little while, and his free throw numbers plummeted like the moment he stopped doing it. But it just doesn't look cool, man. An image apparently is a big deal in the NBA. So yeah, it's hard. Maybe it's yeah. hard to sell some sneakers if you're shooting under. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, 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 probably, it might be it, a lot of people. You know, you mentioned something about the the show too. Is a lot of people did not like the portrayal. I think a lot of the players was it Jerry West. Big I think time. is like looking to sue, or yes. a couple other people too. Like a lot of bad portrayals of the of the people in that movie so it's interesting you brought that up and i guess another thing obviously you're doing your podcast with rick barry is uh, give us some background on how you got here just for you know the for people to know like what was your journey to get into the warrior podcast game or the social media game or the media side how did you get there before we jump into all these NBA? yeah podcasts, yeah no i like to get to know people i i like <laughs> no i don't mind turning this telling the story just because my one of my jobs is I am a professor and, and I always emphasize this to my students as well, who are aspiring to get into the media game is um, internships are everything, man. It's like, it, besides like the whole college experience of social development, obviously 
developing critical thinking skills, depending on the classes you take. But uh, the, the networking part of it and more specifically the internship side of it, that's like everything because, uh, you know, that's the obstacle for anyone who wants to really work in sports media, particularly. It's such a challenging, competitive field. Um, and everyone wants experience and it's hard to really show experience if you can ever get it. Um, it's like that weird catch 22, but if you get the internship while you're in school, companies love interns cause they're cheap, you know, they're eager, they're motivated. And, um, so I, that was my path. There's just like most other professionals who have made it. I, I was an intern, um, for a local sports talk radio show back when radio was much more powerful than it is now um, and relevant. <laughs> Uh, and, I, and I interned at a station called KNVR in San Francisco. And, um, you know, just and, and another piece of advice I'll give everyone who's young and wanting to get into this, like make yourself likable, you know, get along with everyone, like, you know, make people want you around. Um, you know, I was just I said yes to everything. I just, you know, busted my ass. And uh, when I graduated, they 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 actually let me travel the world for a couple months first. I, re I really wanted to do that. And uh, they respected that because I think they realized like a lot of employers do, the more traveled you are, the more perspective you have, the more well-rounded you are. And, and it did make me a better person. It did. So when I, as soon as I got back, um, they promoted me first. I was briefly, I was producing uh, a show that's still, one of the hosts is still there 20, 20 some odd years later, told Tom Tolbert, oh, wow. former Golden State Warrior. Yeah. Um, he was the <laughs> afternoon drive host and and they suddenly needed a producer for his show so first I jumped in there and then his producer came back. He was on away for like a medical leave. And then Rick Barry had a show from like noon to three. And um, <laughs> his producer left to go work for Fox Sports. And all of a sudden he needed an executive producer and they promoted me to that position. And it turned into a friendship that exists to this day. You know, like it's crazy. After I left, I was wow. there for like 10 years. And after I left, he would um, even still like he would like call me on my birthdays and he was just a really thoughtful dude. It would, always, it would always surprise me when I'd hear from him for things like that. And he would write like letters of recommendation for me for, for academic positions, help me get, you know, become a professor. And uh, anyway, so a few years ago, this opportunity came on my lap uh, to do a podcast. And the format of the show required a pro athlete to come on with me. And I called Rick and I'm like, dude, do you want to do this with me? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. And so um, we were doing that for a couple of years. And then, um, uh yeah and then locked on discovered me i think from that and reached out and so that's where i am now wow. that's awesome i like that and it, it's <laughs> kind of cool it shows you know just being a good person like you said always make people be be likable around people and you never know what opportunities come to your door you have a former pro athlete a guy like rick barry that a lot of people know like that developed into a friendship and so yeah. it's really cool to how it works in life it, it really uh shows that being a good person and being a likable person probably helps more than people know. <laughs> and I, I like what you say, say yes to everything, you know, it's, it, it is a really yeah. helpful way to look at things because a lot of people look at some opportunities, oh, it's too small or that might be too hard. But if you just say yes to everything, you don't know what kind of doors are going to be opening up. True. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying don't be picky. I mean, you should be picky and, and you should really, you should do things that you want to do. Right. Cause right. Obviously, the more passionate you are about it, the harder you're going to work at it, and that'll bring better results. But um, at the same time, yeah, I see a lot of people who are very picky and like overly picky and selective, and like, no, nah, I'm too good for that. Or like, if you have that kind of attitude, I don't know if you'll ever make it in this field. You, you do have to be willing to kind of pay your dues and work your way up. But um, yeah, I, I do agree, man. Being likable goes a long way in this world. <laughs> for sure. So, so, um, 
did you grow up being a Warriors fan or is this like it just happened because you worked at the station? No, man. I'm born and raised Bay Area. Um, where are you guys right. from, by the way? I know, I know one of you are like in Spain. Good for you. I'm, I'm jealous. Yeah. Another one of you are in South Texas. Not jealous, but <laughs> no, we're from Seattle, okay. but we grew up in Seattle. We're two okay. brothers yeah. from Seattle and we both live in Arizona now. Just happen to be traveling at the moment. But yeah, nice. we're Seattle. We're Seattle bred uh, Mariner fans. Uh, so, Former Sonic fans, yeah, and hopefully we'll get your team back. Sonic you'll get your team back, dude. They'll, they'll yeah. come in again. I, that that to me was one of the great crimes of of sports history is the fact that the sports NBA sports history like, or history, just history, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think you can undersell how how egregious that was. That was a crime, yeah. man. And yeah. um, but the great news is everything I'm hearing is it's going to be it's a matter of when, uh, right. maybe in like two years. That's what I mean. um, I'm hearing. Maybe 2024. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. could be. It could be. But um, so I have family who lives in Seattle. Uh, my mom and stepdad are up there now, and I've I've been there a million times. I, I love Seattle. Um, but I'm born and raised in the Bay Area, and um, I'm a, I've been a basketball junkie my whole life. I, I started playing like in third grade for CYO, and uh, and so early in my like in the mid '80s, uh, I started watching Warriors basketball, and it wasn't there wasn't a lot to watch. But like one of my earliest <laughs> memories was Sleepy Floyd, who uh, was a former guard. He also played for the Rockets um speaking of south texas and one of my earliest memories was watching sleepy floyd score the warriors were down 3-0 to the lakers in the conference semifinals and all indications were it was going to be a sweep this was like the the showtime lakers at their peak this was uh, like april 90 not april 18 april 1987 and uh so but then sleepy floyd pulls off (laughs) this performance where he scores uh, 39 points in the second half of that game, still a playoff record. Uh, he scored 29 points in the fourth quarter of that game, still a record for most points scored in a playoff game in a quarter. And the Warriors prevented the sweep. And that that one game was it, man. It was, it was Sleepy Floyd and Chris Mullen in the backcourt. I just remember thinking that, you know, my parents got me into playing basketball just so they can get me into a sport when I was young. And watching that, I was like, wow, I actually really like this game. And, and yeah. um, so I ended up playing most of my life. And, uh, yeah, so I've been a Warriors fan through and through, man. And I've been through the tortured years where, you know, missed the playoffs 17 out of 18 years, um, which is why, like, you know, I, I some people say I'm arrogant or whatever for how happy I am about this team now. But if you had been through my shoes for 20 something years, I mean, the Warriors are like the Kings, like whatever the Kings are now, yeah. that was the Warriors for like decades. Um, yeah. So some of us old school fans are giddy, man. We're, we get pumped. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I know. It's I I was going to say, it's probably like if you were, I don't know if you follow baseball, if you're like a Seattle Mariners fan, we've, we haven't made the playoffs in 21 years, but if we go on like a five, six, seven year in a row, like championship run, like people are going to think bandwagon, like, no, you don't understand what we went through. Like, it's not, it's, it's like 21 years. Has it been that long? Yeah. 2001 yeah, was our last appearance um, yep. in the playoffs. And that was the, the year you guys won like 116 games or something, right? Yeah, Wasn't yeah, it? that, yeah, that. I guess that's what happens when you when you break the record for most <laughs> wins is you get punished by never making the playoffs. Wow, again. I didn't know it's been since then. That's wild, dude. Yeah, yeah. it's it's the longest streak in the four major sports in America. I think Kings are second at like 16 years. I think 20, 2005 or whatever it is. Uh, Mariners are longer, 2001. So I was that's a brutal kindergartner first grader or some first or second grader actually that is brutal like back Sorry. Then, like yeah like i'm almost 30 i'm like 30 years old now and i'm like i was in first grade when the mariners made the playoffs yeah <laughs> it's pretty crazy and it doesn't seem like this year is the year yeah it's probably not he did you did answer a question of ours that 
we usually ask to start the podcast that we actually both forgot is one answer. One thing we ask a lot of guests is what's a moment that makes you fall in love with your sport or your team? Or like, what's a moment that got you into this? Like any boy or girl that picks their team or picks their sport, you know, when they grow up, you kind of answered it. There was that moment was a sleepy Floyd, right? And you're just like, okay, yeah, I think, well, I, 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 think I, wanna, I like this. <laughs> but I want to add something to that too, uh, only because this will relate to you Seattle folks. So I also grew up like a diehard 49ers fan. And that, that like, I was spoiled rotten because, like, my earliest memories yeah. of the Niners were just, you know, they were already two-time Super Bowl champs. You know, they won three more after that. I mean, every year they were just one of, if not the best teams in the NFL. And that got me in love with dynasties. Like, I'm a dynasty junkie. Like, I, I, I the more I've studied sports, the more I realize just how hard it is to become a dynasty, the work ethic that goes into it, the killer instinct that's needed. Sorry, my steps under. Hey, buddy, you okay? Yeah. Sorry, my stepson is at home oh, today. Um, good. Don't worry. And, <laughs> but uh, my point is, so uh, fast forward, uh, you know, like like 10, 10 years or so or something like that. I'm in Seattle. I go to a Seahawks-Niners game. I think this was like 2004. And the Warriors, I mean the Warriors, the Niners got shut out. It was, I think, 27 nothing. It was the first time in 30 years they've been shut out. And that was like <laughs> the bottom of the bottom, man, for the Niners. But uh yeah, I love Seahawks Stadium. With that said, but that was a that was a that was a brutal experience, man. Just sitting, I had a to jersey. I was I was oh, really bad. no way. <laughs> and you're used to the dynasties, right? That was a tough day. I love it. Uh, that's great. Um, yeah, man, it's it's crazy though. Uh, before we get into some warrior questions, just to add on top of that, our photographic memory of sports is absolutely crazy. I always say, like, I wonder. If my mind would be photographed like on rocket science or calculus or something, where we'd be, but it mine uh-huh. is sports moments yeah. and you know what three one count and base hit like on in nineteen ninety five. Like why? Like why do I remember this? Yeah, <laughs> it is crazy how the brain works, man. It is. You know, we we love our sports. Yeah. yeah. So man, so you've well, been covering the Warriors all year. Um, I guess here we are, NBA Finals tonight. I guess, first of all, let's start off. What's your prediction for the finals before we get into some more nitty-gritty questions? Well, uh, if the Warriors are completely healthy, and what I mean by that is if Gary Payton II is playing and he's effective, if Andre Iguodala, I mean, he's listed as questionable for game one. We haven't seen him since um, the opening round, I think. Yes, it's a Denver series. Yeah, and uh, and then if Otto Porter Jr. is healthy, he's been dealing with foot, both his feet uh, have been giving him problems uh, in the playoffs. Like he missed both the closeout games in the semifinals and, and conference yeah. finals. Mm-hmm. If those three are healthy, um, as good as the Celtics are, man, I, and I, I do not mean any disrespect with any of this talk because I do think they're a very worthy opponent. They're formidable. Jason Tatum is on track to be a future Hall of Famer. I mean, he's, uh, you know, if, if he, he's, I think he's a superstar. He's reached that level. Um, but the Warrior, they haven't faced anything like this Warriors team yet. Um, the Eastern Conference, to me, has been overrated this year. They've, they're much better than in years past. But, I mean, their best team in the regular season would have been just the fourth best in the West. I mean, they just were more deeper than in years past, right? I mean, their playing teams were okay for a change. Um, so, but with all that said, I think the Warriors, if they're completely healthy, will finish this in five. Uh, if there's any health issues, um, like if Gary Payton, the second's elbow is giving him serious problems. If Iguodala can't make it a go, um, if Otto Porter Jr. is missing games here and there. And if, if any other players have health issues on that note, this could go seven. 
Um, but what I am confident about is that the, as good as the Celtics have been on the road, um, and they've been really good on the road, no doubt about that, the Warriors have been better at home. Um, they're undefeated. And, you know, I don't want to downplay the, the significance of Chase Center. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the playoffs, I really was skeptical about them really equaling the noise and the energy of their old stadium, uh, their old arena, Roracle. Um, and they've come damn close to replicating that with the noise, with the energy, with the passion. So that home court advantage is real. Um, and one thing I've been in the minority of saying from the beginning, and keep in mind, I predicted the Warriors in five in the first round. I predicted the Warriors in six in the second round. I predicted the Warriors in five in the third round. This prediction I'm least confident about. <laughs> but um, but at the same time, I do think the Grizzlies were a tougher out. Uh, that's why I am confident the Warriors will win this series. Um, but the Celtics are tough. You know, they got two more rounds of playoff experience since the Grizzlies series. So that, that does play a factor. You know, they've gone deep four times in the playoffs. So they do have the experience. They just don't have the championship experience. And I just don't think the Celtics ultimately have the firepower. Um, they gave up 101 points per game in the postseason, which is staggering. That's a great defense. It's number one uh, in the NBA among all teams. But those 101 points per game were given up to the likes of the Heat. We're given up to the likes of a Bucks team without Chris Middleton. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets had, you know, Durant, Kyrie, and then a massive drop-off after that. So uh, the Celtics were able to really square up on those two and, and, and shut them out. Um, they haven't seen anything like this Warriors team who at any point is going to have five scorers on that court um, and lethal scores at that. Draymond Green will be the weakest scorer likely on the on the floor, and he can get his points if he has to. Even in that 2016 series where they lost in game seven, I think he put up 32 points and and, and put up a triple-double. He just doesn't need to score. That's why he doesn't. He's just, you know, he's, his yeah. teams are almost always so stacked. He doesn't, there's just no need for him to do that. He's All he has to do is facilitate and play stout defense. Um, so I, yeah, so ultimately I, I do think the Warriors will win the series. Um, but I want to respect the Celtics because they are a damn good team. Yeah. I, I love everything you said. And just to add on top of that, cause I'm also picking the Warriors, this Celtics team, Celtics team has went through seven games versus Milwaukee, which was a slug fest. They went through seven games against Miami, which was a slug fest. And now they're going to play a Warriors team that is constantly in motion. They're moving mm -hmm. without the ball more than any team in the NBA. They're going to be chasing through screens, fighting through screens, and I just don't think their legs are going to be able to hold up. Um, Warriors are more rested. Um, I, I, I've been kind of going back and forth between six and seven for the Warriors, but I'm, I'm taking the Warriors in six. It's a good call. Like, the only reason why I'm not saying six is just because I don't know if the Warriors will finish this in, in the garden. Um, even though Boston hasn't played great, uh, at home this this postseason, I don't know why that is. That's really like perplexing. That's weird. It is odd, man. But um, I at the same time, like the war, the, one of the many things about the Warriors, which is fascinating and and it's respectable, is is they're they have a tremendous amount of perspective in terms of planning for the long game. And what I mean by that is like they look at series as the whole picture, not just one game at a time. There's a reason why they lost game five to the Grizzlies where they were down at one point by 55 before they lowered that, that margin finally. But, and dancing yeah. during it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, and they, they just knew. Like, they, like they're, they're confident enough and they're aware enough to understand what each game means. And so I could really see them, if it does go to a game six, um, not giving it their all. And and if, if like, like their, their attitude for those closeout games when it's on the road is, We'll try, but if we're not feeling this, we're not going to push ourselves and exert every last ounce of energy. I mean, 
they're 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 pragmatic when it comes to human nature and the fact that like there's always so much energy a human being can expend. I mean, um, and their best players are not as young as they used to be. They're still playing at, at a peak level, but so I, that's the only reason why I'm going seven. If 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 there's injuries and something happens, I see you going seven instead of six. But you might be right too. I'm not. I'm not discouraging yeah, right. your prediction. That's just yeah, yeah. why. We're, we're why both I, thinking they're going to win the series. I mean, that, at the end of it, that's what is the biggest uh, factor. I mean, I, I think if you ask the Warriors, they don't care if it's four, five, six, or seven. They just want to. Yeah, they just want another one. Home. And I think Curry obviously just wants his Finals MVP, and that's what you know. That's a big motivation, probably too. I think what's interesting about this series uh, is also when you talk about injuries, you have to consider Marcus Smart's been kind of yeah. in and out. Al Horford's pretty old. I mean, like he's never made a finals. This is his longest playoff run, despite playing good. This is a long playoff run for a team that's had to play seven games and seven games, like you guys mentioned. But what's and what's interesting, I think that's different than most years. I would say is if the if this wasn't the Warriors, I could say that the Warriors haven't played you know the battle tested teams like the Celtics did. Like I think the Suns are still better than the Mavericks. I think it was a fluke. The Mavericks hit every shot in the world right like i think the suns would have been a better matchup for the warriors but it's the warriors so it's okay because they have the experience right i think in other scenarios if this was like a phoenix suns team in their first run or the mavericks made the finals i'd be like you know it'd be a different question but the, the warriors haven't played the same schedule as boston at all boston's played some harder teams but it's the Warriors, and I think that really just works in their benefit because they're not a young team that needs to see the battle-tested situations, you know? They're an older team in some sense. I know they got good young role players, but their main three guys are older, and for them, it's great. Oh, we didn't have to play Phoenix. We got to play the Grizzlies without John Morant for a little bit. We got to play the, the Nuggets without Jamal Murray and without Michael Porter. It really all works, I think, in the Warriors' benefit. And it's very specific to them because they've been there, done that. It's the same as when LeBron used to go through kind of a weak East sometimes because it was like, it doesn't matter. He has the experience. Like, who cares if he goes through a weak East? Like, you know, he doesn't need the experience. So I honestly think all this plays in the Warriors' favor that Boston had to go through seven games and go through seven games while the Warriors are like, oh, first of all, we've been here. And secondly... Like, it doesn't matter if we're battle-tested or not. We've been battle-tested for the last eight years. So, well, and like, if you don't mind so me, be it. If you don't mind me doing just a little pushback, I, I do think the Grizzlies were a very legitimately challenging opponent. Like, I mean, they, they, they had might be better same. without John. <laughs> well, it's well, it's weird. <laughs> like, the Warriors got both sides of it, and either side of it was incredibly difficult because, yeah, A, a the, Grizz, the Grizzlies did have the second-best record by, by a lot in the regular season yeah. for, for good reason. I mean, they, they are a damn good team. Um, you know, the, the the Grizzlies were the biggest team that the Warriors had to face. I mean, they have four guys on that team who are playing significant minutes who are 6'11 or taller. Um, and, and that was a legitimate challenge for them. And also the fact that even when with John Morant, John Morant is such a dangerous weapon offensively. Like, he's damn near impossible to stop with his athleticism, yeah. his, his shiftiness. I mean, where he's at in his career is fascinating. And I'm serious, curious to see where he is three years from now once he gets – his defense figured out and he learns to involve his teammates better. But without jaw, which is what the Warriors had to face those last three games, this was a, a Grizzlies team that everyone talked about being 20 and five during the regular season without them. They were actually 20 and two without them. And then, and then they lost the last three games of the season without them when they already had their seating set up and they started resting players and not taking those games seriously. So, tw so 22 games is a quarter of an NBA season. That's a solid sample size. 
And what we saw from that is that this Grizz, that Grizzlies team has, in my opinion, if not as good if, or be, maybe better of a defense than the Celtics. I just like the Celtics are great. Don't get me wrong. But I didn't see the Nets exactly as being an option. I mean, Durant and Kyrie, yes, they're incredible. But that team after them had such a drop off. I mean, you had Blake Griffin Seth. next. I don't know who. Blake Griffin. <laughs> yeah, Blake Griffin. Blake yeah. Next. I mean, Drummond. I mean, Seth Curry's maybe, you know, Seth Curry's good, but I don't think he was even healthy that series. And then you had, the, you had the Bucks, who, in my opinion, should have been in the NBA Finals. If they had Chris Middleton, I think, I think they would. Um, but they're missing Middleton, and it still took them seven games to squeak by that series. And then you had a Miami Heat team that is just really offensively challenged in general, and um, and they barely got by them. Uh, it's also important to note, too, that even like the Nuggets, like people called all these teams weak after the Warriors beat them. So I remember a lot of people at the beginning of that series – I kid you not, man. Like like uh, Dave McMenamin of ESPN, uh, 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 Jacoby of Jalen Jacoby. They, were, they picked the Nuggets outright to win that series. Um, in the Grizzlies series, you didn't have people picking the Grizzlies, surprisingly. But I still maintain the Grizzlies were the second-best team this postseason. I, I really do believe that, and we'll see. You'll, you'll see when this final starts, man. And, but, and then the Mavericks, you had nearly half of the ESPN you know, experts, I use air mm-hmm. quotes, Picking the Mavericks. I mean, everyone thought half the world like, was this... picking the Mavericks. Oh, they can't yeah, people... stop Luca. <laughs> and then it's all yeah, exactly I'm like a, 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 a Brian Windhorst was was attributed as saying, "Well, you know, look out for Luca. Like, don't count him out." And so I I do think the Warriors, especially that Grizzly series, uh, and the Grizzlies were, were also had added motivation because um, uh, Kendra Andrews reported that Stephen Curry said, "Whoop that trick," in terms of the game plan. Stephen Curry that was like game five, that I think, right? What's up? Like, it was like the game five. Like, what's your game plan going into this? It was right. Yes. I think it was game five. Yes. They got blown out. And he, and Stephen Curry did not want that going out. Like that was not a quote. Uh, we don't know what truly happened behind the scenes, but from what I've I've gathered together from hearing a lot of different reports, you know, off the record, uh, um, is that he might have said something like that, but it was not like part of an interview where she should have been reporting it and if you've seen the last yeah. <laughs> dance Michael Jordan documentary like words matter man P- players use that stuff for fuel and for motivation and yeah for 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 Steph to be quoted as saying we're gonna whoop that trick that fired up that team man I mean yeah. it, it didn't help that was like an in-house comment type of thing not yeah, a, absolutely. Like, I'm at the press Ab- box <laughs> yeah that was just that was just poor reporting and Andre Iguodala called her out for that in his podcast um so anyway, but my point is, is that I do think the Warriors have been battle tested. Like, I, I don't think they're going to come into this Celtics series and get punched in the mouth like, whoa, this is a whole other level. I mean, I respect the Celtics tremendously, but to me that the Grizzlies had been in the Eastern Conference, they would be in the finals right now. That's, I guess, that's what I'm trying to say. I'll give one refined comment to that because I think it's a good point is that I think it's hard with the Warriors sometimes, I think as a... You know, I'm somebody that I was so sick and tired of the Warriors, like especially during the Durant era. Like I don't this actually this year, my brother knows he he knows I I this is the first time I might ever be rooting for the Warriors in the history. I want them to win the series because Durant's not on the team anymore. I just hated the Durant time, especially more than anything. I don't blame you. And but yeah, like it was a weird time for a non-Warriors fan. It's just like, come on, like why what are you doing? And this this time though, it's easy to say the Warriors aren't battle, battle tested sometimes because they're so good, right? Because you you just keep seeing them like, oh, when the series kind of feels like it might be shifting, it's like, oh, wait a second, they just went on a twenty four to one run 
And then you're just like, yeah, they're not battle tested, but it really just might be more of a testament to how good they are. Um, but so maybe that that's something also to consider always is like Boston's more battle tested, but like you said, like, is it good to be battle tested when you go seven against kind of a beat up heat team or seven against a beat up bucks team? Like, I don't know if that's battle tested or if that's more just not a good sign that, you know, these teams aren't fully healthy and you're going seven. So yeah. there's always like the both sides to that balance. Yeah. The bucks, like the bucks are respected still, even without Middleton, just because I, I personally give a lot of respect to, to champions. It, it's, yeah, I've seen it so much time and time and again that when teams get over that hurdle and, and, and hold that trophy, there's an there's such an extra level of confidence that comes with that. It's hard to take out a defending champ, even without Middleton. So I do want to give the Celtics respect. I do think that series, uh, they took a lot out of that in terms of, of experience, in terms of uh, lessons from it, especially, and, and, and just the confidence, you know, and knowing they could beat a defending champion. Um, and I also want to add too, if it was up to Dub Nation, we would not have Kevin Durant. Like I, I'm like we are <laughs> anyone anyone who's a member of Dub Nation is forever bitter at the fact that Draymond Green got suspended in that game five. Because if he wasn't suspended, they win that series. They've got back-to-back championships, and there's no Durant going to the Warriors. Um, Durant was a consolation prize for the NBA basically helping LeBron out. And um, you know, so that's I still would rather never have Durant coming, but when the NBA helps out the opponent in the final series, you know, they guess they got to give them something. So. Yeah, yeah, I guess you get Kevin Durant joining the, the best team in the history of the NBA. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I kind of want to shift and talk about the Celtics for a second and Marcus Smart and yeah. uh, how he took out Defensive Steph Curry's late <laughs> earlier in the season. I find it kind of ironic that this is the, the NBA championship now because that was the first game where Steph, Clay, Draymond, and Poole, and Wiggins, they were healthy. The Warriors were fully loaded finally. They play the Celtics on national TV, and Steph gets hurt because Marcus Smart may or may not have done a dirty play. Um, does, is there animosity between Smart and, this, and the Warriors, or is there is there not? I guess is my biggest question here. Two things. One, the Warriors were not fully healthy in that game. Uh, because Draymond Green, that was only his second game back from missing two and a half months. Yeah. And it took him a few weeks to get his footing back. Like, he didn't even start that game. That's right, um, he didn't start, yeah. And then on top of that, Wiggins and Gary Payne II also did not play in that game. Oh, they did not. So, so it's it was hard the first to really time the trio was back, though, maybe? Was it that, was, that yeah. what you meant, George? Like, is that the first, that the game, first with, game with Draymond, Clay, and Steph actually playing, right? Because Draymond yes, played I, for a yeah. second during Clay's first game. He just subbed out, though. Yes, because yes, I guess I I guess that's where they, you know, the old line for this season has been like Steph, Dre, and Clay have played eleven minutes total all season yeah. long together, <laughs> and I think most of that was in that game, correct? Yeah. Um, where Steph played a total of fourteen minutes before you know he injured his foot. Here, I here's what I'll say publicly: the Warriors are media savvy. They're not going to ever express anything that will give the Celtics fuel, right? Right. Um, all you've been seeing from Steve Kerr, for example, is compliments. All you know, he's calling smart, like you know, uh, a, a smaller version of Dre. Uh, all he's doing is just complimenting this team, you know, th- and for very good reason, right? Like, the last thing you want to do is, is poke a bear. Um, so I, my, my honest thought is they absolutely remember that, um, and they're absolutely going to use that as fuel. Behind the scenes, it they were livid about it. 
Um, I don't think anyone believed that Smart intentionally took him out. Um, I don't. Th- I mean, anyone with half a brain could see like that. Was, he was right. reckless. I think you can make that accusation. I mean, he just he's such a hustler that it like is you know the only thought in his mind is getting the ball regardless of consequences. And and you know it's, you can't you can't hate on him for that. Even though like Steph to get hurt and miss the month. But keep in mind on that same exact play, right? Because that's not where the play ended. Like he died. He go for that ball. He gets the ball. He, he, you know, Steph hurts his foot in the process. Then, like, just a couple seconds later, he karate kicks Clay Thompson to the chest. I don't know if you remember <laughs> yeah, that part. I don't remember that. Yeah, go watch I the believe replay. it, though. It's Marcus Smart. I believe anything. So. Watch the replay, man. He, he literally, because the, it was, it was, because the ball, the play kept going. So he go for the ball, pass it. He karate kicks Clay Thompson to the chest. And then falls on the ground from that kick, and then is yelling, whining at the ref, saying, "Where? Why wasn't there a foul called?" And it was dude, that part of it, like I think, incensed a lot of people. It's like, like, dude, you just like you he karate kick Clay Thompson in the chest, and then was whining on the floor, like, like, like he's the victim and all that. Um, I think that part of it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Again, go see the replay because when you do, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like it's eye opening uh, that he did all that in one play. Um, but I don't think anyone thinks he's like a dirty player. Like, cause Smart played for Steve Kerr for one of the Olympic teams, or at least one That's of the, right. the trial uh, runs leading up to the Olympics. Um, so there's respect there. There's tremendous mutual respect. But are you asking me? Is are, do they, have they forgotten about that? Hell no. No, no they haven't forgotten yeah. about it. No, 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 no. Definitely not. <laughs> it's gonna be interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I you think, know, I there'll think... be some fireworks between Dre and Marcus Smart at some Maybe. point in this series. Maybe. I also think Steph Curry is going to try to make a point against Marcus Smart and just in general, the defensive player of the year thing, you know, like, oh, because I, I don't know who else would be guarding. It's, I think it's going to be a lot of Smart on Curry, right? Maybe some Jalen Brown here and there and like Derek White's here and there, but like Smart's going to take the assignment a lot of the time. Yes. Or at least on a good amount of plays. So I know Curry would probably try to make a point out of that. I, I could see it very like, Michael Jordan against Gary Payton esque. He's like, gonna try to make a point. He's gonna try. Uh, it's their history is interesting because Marcus Smart. Uh, this is his eighth year in the NBA, and in those eight years, he is by far like I don't think there's even a close second. Um, he's by far the best defender on Steph. Uh, Stephen Curry for his career, when Marcus Smart guards him, shoots twenty nine percent from the field. That's not oh, a wow. good number. Now, now the 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 other side of that approach is. They play twice a year. Um, you know, head coaches in the regular season most times simply do not have the time to game plan for opponents. It's, you know, I mean, yeah. there's such a small turnaround between games that usually when there's a practice, like practice just involves, you know, going through set plays. It doesn't involve like studying film of your next opponent. That's, it's very rare for that to happen just because of time management purposes. Most mm-hmm. of the actual planning and prepping comes uh, in the off season before the season starts. So it's not like Steph's had a lot of time. It's not like the coaching staff's had a lot of time to really game plan and strategize. Um, so I, and I, and I do think Steph in a lot of ways, look, he's got that, that world championship dynasty mentality. I do think he's welcoming the challenge, but um, it will be interesting because of if there's any player who's given Steph problems over the years, it's Marcus Smart. So, so my, my guess is, they're going to try to switch smart off that. They're going to try to routinely find mismatches for Steph. The problem is it's not easy to find a mismatch. I don't know if Robert Williams III would be the mismatch. I don't know if Al Horford would be the mismatch because Jalen Brown and Tatum are solid defenders themselves. Yeah. And Lakey. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting for sure.
it's, a, that, it's gonna be a very interesting series. I, I like the point you made there. I know Marcus Smart has played good against Curry, but you know when it's when it's not in the playoffs, it's hard to really figure out those exact numbers. Like that's oh, a game here, a game there. So it's gonna be interesting what happens. I think mm-hmm. you kind of have like, I just think though, in general, I, the Warriors just have this little edge over the Celtics with the experience, with the offensive power that they have, and. I think, but I think it's going to be a fun series. I think it will. Yeah, be. and just and just two points, and this, this these are the two main things why I think the Warriors will win this series. One is that um, the Warriors defensively are again they're brilliant. They're underrated. They had the number one rated defense in the NBA until Draymond Green got hurt in January. Um, so so they so their defense is incredible in and of itself. And what they've been doing in the postseason, which is really fascinating, at least for me, is um, they've they've ditched the man. D a lot and they've gone with not just a zone but variances of the zone like you'll see a 3-2 zone one minute you'll see a, a 1-2-1 zone one minute I'm sorry a 2-1-2 zone what then you'll see a box in one one minute then you'll see all of a sudden a 2-3 zone one minute it Kerr's done all of those in the span of like 10 minutes he just keeps yeah. switching it up and a lot of that is Mike Brown Mike Brown is a super attention to details guy and he's the defensive coordinator for the team this year um, and, and those zone defenses, the reason why they're not implemented routinely is because if you're facing a zone D, you're going to have open shooters. We saw that with the Mavericks. It's just right. the Mavericks were missing a lot of those shots. Um, and then you also oftentimes will get killed uh, on the glass with offensive rebounds. But And what's been incredibly impressive with the Warriors is against teams like the Grizzlies and against uh, a team like the Mavericks, despite those deficiencies in the zone, um, they were wildly successful. I mean, uh, like, like they, they were they they hustle so hard. Like that, like Jason Kidd alluded to it in the in the Maverick series that he was in awe of the Warriors' conditioning, and that's something that people don't take into account. Like we we look back, like we look back. Sorry about that. Um, we look back at all these like uh, like old series, and and people love making excuses. Like, well, everybody's injured, and the Warriors had these cakewalks. It's like. No one ever stops to reflect and think, well, why are these people getting injured? It's because they've never worked that hard in their life defensively because of the off the ball movement that the Warriors have. And because they just don't stop moving, they will out hustle you. The Celt- <laughs> I give the Celt- gassed. Yeah. And, and I give the Celtics gassed. a lot of respect because that's a huge part of their strength too, is that they're, they're yeah. known for outworking their opposition. I don't know if that's going to work against Warriors team with a seven man rotation. I mean, I know you'll see Kevin Pritchard a little bit as your eighth man. Yeah. But um, and they're not they're hobbled, right? I mean, like you said, Marcus Smart and and Robert Williams a third. I think that injury is more serious than Smart's. That that knee is giving him huge issues. Um, but I, I have to give him credit for that for for out hustling. But the Warriors zone defense is going to be a lot more effective against Boston than it was against Memphis or Dallas because the Celtics are they're a good outside shooting team, but they're not as good as Dallas, and they don't have that one guy that can attack uh, the paint like Jaw could. Mm-hmm. Um, because in a zone, you're going to have holes on occasion. And so that zone, I think is going to work good and that's going to be a huge advantage. And then the other advantage is just that the, again, the Celtics are giving up 101 points per game in the postseason to teams like the heat and the bucks. Um, the warriors are much, much better <laughs> offensively. So well, you're going to have to realistically add 10 points to that at least. So the question is, can the Celtics put up 112, 114 points a game to beat the Warriors because that's what they're going to have to do. And I just don't think they can. And that's why ultimately I'm picking the Warriors. I, I couldn't agree more with everything you it's said. Be there, hard four times. Yeah. What's up? 
It'll be hard four times, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Yeah, I'm not saying any of this is easy. It could be like four close games. I don't know, yeah. but I do pick the Warriors. Yeah, they pick um, the thing with the Warriors too is one. I, I, the best way to say it, I can see the Celtics almost outplaying the Warriors in a couple games and still losing because when the Warriors get hot, they can pour it on quickly. Yeah, true. It's demoralizing when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard coaches say that, you know, like they, they look up at the scoreboard and all of a sudden they're down 20 and they don't even know what happened. And that's just when you hit that, especially if clay gets hot. I mean, if clay is is hot for more than two games, I mean, there's no chance for the Celtics, like no no chance. Um, You're right. The Warriors just have so many shooters. Um, And look, I'm sounding cocky saying all this because there's a very good chance this could be a very tight series, man. I I do not want to diminish the Celtics. They're a worthy opponent. Like, this is going to be exciting to watch, you know? It's stressful for someone like me, but I think if you don't have (laughs) an emotional stake in this, um, it should be fun, man. I mean, these are two storied franchises. It's remarkable they haven't played in the finals since 1964, given the Celtics have made the second most NBA finals ever, and then the Warriors the third. Um, so if if you're a history buff and you just love all, you know, legacies and stuff like that, there's, there's, there's something special here. No doubt. Um, It's exciting. I I, I was looking at that this morning, uh, 12, 12 appearances. This is the 12th for the Warriors, 22nd for the Celtics. And it's been since 1964. So I was like, man, how did they not line up against each other one time? It's crazy. Pretty crazy to think Uh about it. (laughs) It will be fun though. Agreed. Yeah, great, great. Well, uh, thank you again so much for coming on, man. We wish you the best of luck in this series. Um, we don't have a horse in the race, but I am rooting for the Warriors just because anytime Steph Curry can add some uh, rings to his <laughs> legacy, I, I feel like he's such a great guy. And he is I a great feel guy. Like, and he somehow is, and he's underrated. Yeah, and let me just add to this: like he, I've interviewed him, and and I don't, know, I'm not friends with him or anything like that. But I have friends who are friends with him, and and. Uh, Everything you hear about him is true in terms of the positive. Like he's just a genuine good dude. Um, like he really is. Like I, I, I cannot think of one bad thing to say about him. And uh, yeah, man, he's a genuine article. So um, who's who's your horse, by the way? Like like since yeah, since the Sonics are have been a reprieve, uh, <laughs> unjustly so. Like who's your horse? Is it the Trailblazers? Like who's I, I, your dog? no, I just I just watch try to watch a good basketball and hold out until this to the Sonics come back. No horse in the in the race. I guess I kind of adopted Steph, <laughs> you know, because he's so fun to watch. But uh, cool. but no, I don't really have a horse in the race. Yeah, I, I was gonna I, give. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say I interviewed George Carl a couple weeks ago, and um, like he's really pumped about a Seattle franchise coming back, and and he told me off the air that he thinks it's gonna be a couple years. I think it's like when like they can't do it until. The, until the next collective bargaining agreement. Right. I think that's what they're, they're waiting on. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be exciting, man, because I, I've been to games. Uh, it used to be called Key, Key, Arena, Key Arena, I think. And I remember sitting behind like one of the Seahawks offensive linemen and, and I, it was such a great feel. I, you know, I, it sucks. It was a crime that David Stern just let that oil baron take, take them away, dude. I also blame Schultz. The, oh this, yeah. This, yep. Like he, like he just, I mean, like do, do a little more research before you sell your team to someone that's going to just, you know, just completely poach your organization away. You know, that was, yeah, exactly. I got to show you something here because I was actually in Serbia at the Euro cup uh, final four last week, two weeks ago. 
And I actually spotted a guy in Serbia wearing a Seattle Supersonic shirt. And I, nice. of him. And I had to show, I forgot to show this to anyone. So you were just talking about it now. And here's the guy. Sammy, say what you're going to say. And I'm going to find the guy with the Sonic shirt. Right. And, I yeah, so I'm cool. just going to add like, this is a great time for expansion too, just because there, I've never seen this much talent in my life in the NBA. It's, it's like one through 14, one through 15 on every roster is, is deep. And uh, so this is a great time. I mean, it, it's going to be good to spread out the town a little more. I'm guessing Vegas is going to be the second team, which is oh, yeah. that alone having it. I, yeah. I don't, I wouldn't count on that hundred percent though, because both the Lakers and the Clippers consider Vegas mm -hmm. to be their territory yeah, and they, they are going to put up of... a fight. Like they're going to put up a fight to not let Vegas get that second city. And I'm going to be curious if that, if they succeed, what that second city will be, because I was, I was brainstorming a little bit. Like you're not going to give Vancouver another try, even though that was, no. that's an awesome city. That's one of my favorite cities in the world. St. Um, Louis. Yeah. Maybe St. Louis. I don't know. Who else? I don't Kansas know. City. Maybe. Here's the, here's the potentially Sonics guy, by the way, guys, it's Serbia. Oh, wow. That's it's so Serbia. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Don't, don't count out Nashville guys. Cause yeah? Nashville's booming. Yeah. I would say Kansas City, Nashville, or St. Louis. But Nashville, they would love to get the Oakland A's somehow. I know it's like Vegas or Portland or, you know, like there's all these different things every day. But Nashville is such a booming city that they would – their soccer team's thriving like crazy. And, like, the stadium's awesome. Um, you know, obviously football is big there. And that would be a town that, like, would love some it. NBA basketball. I so I think Nashville could be – and you need – because you're going to have to move – you're going to need to move somebody to the east. If you bring in two west teams, you'd have to move somebody to the east because you're right. uh, you'd have to move either Memphis or one of those teams. Well, you, to the east. Probably New you can't bring in two west teams. Yeah, or New Orleans. Memphis or New Orleans. Yeah. They're both kind of like on the same east. Nashville's a great town, too. It's one of my favorite yeah. cities in the country, man. It's a great city. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, could, I could see that. I know people have been talking about St. Louis. Um, it's weird that Austin doesn't have one. I know San Antonio claims the Austin fans because yeah. um, that's too many in Texas, though. Force too yeah. many. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fair. That's very fair. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like like California might not even need four. The Kings, I, I all respect to the Kings. I feel bad for them, but like they don't need to be there either. No. You know, <laughs> they don't belong. They can have the, they can have the Warriors. Like let's just call it a day. <laughs> we got both teams around. Yeah, but hopefully the Sonics come back because uh, until then, man, like I don't have a horse in this race. I usually root for like LeBron. This year I was rooting for whoever. Like I actually usually just root against the Warriors because I just didn't like the <laughs> Kevin Durant era. Now I'm rooting for the Warriors this year, so I'm just confused. Like I don't know. I don't know what's happening anymore. I <laughs> <see>. <laughs> Who does, man? Who does? It's a crazy one. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on today. Yeah, we had a great time you with you, my man. It's great talking to you, guys. Too, Enjoy the finals and uh and I hope you stay, feel uh, better, man. Thanks, yeah, man. Thank yeah, you. This better. is a bitch. Please don't get it if you can. Yeah. <laughs> Mask up, dude. Yeah. It's around. <laughs> All right. And try to sometimes enjoy. Stay sane. I know it's hard sometimes during the finals. It's, there's probably a lot of a lot of emotions. <laughs> That's good advice. I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> Later, guys. Take care, take care, man. Take care, man. second all right and we got adam on uh from celtics blog uh, is it celtics blog or celtics pod what, what is it you guys usually go by 
Uh, well, they're both the same. Celtics blog is usually the easiest way. They're the bigger brand. The bigger brand. Cool, cool. And you're uh, out of the UK. Celtics, first of all, I guess how, I got to ask, how did a UK resident from Birmingham, England, become a uh, Celtics diehard? <laughs> You know what? Shockingly, this is the question I get asked the most. Um, not shocking at all. Uh, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, yeah, so like, you know, I grew up, wasn't really a soccer fan for the life out of me, dude. Um, you know, you can watch for 90 minutes and it's no one scores or there's a tie and it's just pointless. Um, <laughs> we used to get a bit of basketball here, not much, you know, like um, one game a week on TV mm-hmm. and it would always be like the Celtics, the Lakers, the Knicks, or at the time the Pistons, because the Pistons were good back in the 90s for, yeah. a, for a stretch. And I just kind of fell in love with the world set, the way the Celtics played, you know, out of the group, they probably were the worst team out of the, that, those four. Um, you know, you could score at that everyone, time, yeah, like, yeah. Everyone's like, Yeah, I love the Lakers, I love the Knicks, I, I like the Pistons. I'm like, I, I want to be like that, dude. I want to be like, I want to be an individual. So I was like, Yo, let me rock with the Celtics. And then, you know, over time, like the internet hits and then League Pass comes around, and yeah, I just start watching more and more and more. Then I'm like, I need to learn more because, like, I want to be, I want to be having these conversations with people. And then, you know, push like over the few years, like, you kind of just fall into this like whole of celtics fandom and then like you just start and then it just kind of all spanned from there man just i just hated soccer and basketball was an outlet and i played as well like all right so like you know it kind of just all helped out yeah i mean that's interesting and then nowadays it's like if you really think about it i don't think there's a celtics uh pub in uh, birmingham right like of a bunch of celtic fans probably not or i could be wrong no dude, no. i don't know any celtics fans from i know yeah. one in birmingham there's like a million people i know one of a celtics fan one other celtics fan yeah so but now with the internet man we're all connected i mean you got reddit you got twitter you got instagram you got t- i mean you can find a community you can be you know, uh, I think I saw on your Twitter profile, you said 3,100 and something miles away from Boston. But you probably feel like you're probably just as tuned in as maybe the 1% of Boston fans. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm I'm at that point where people come to me for the news or they come to me for the opinion. I'm, I'm very fortunate to be in that position. And like, uh, you know, I was saying to my wife, the other day like i don't really speak to english people anymore all my phone calls are done via whatsapp 90 percent of them are to people in boston like that's where my, i'm more i've got more of a friendship circle in boston than i do in my hometown like it's just become that way and uh yeah man i feel more like i, I feel more like i belong there than i do here have you been to Boston? Have you gone over? No, so whenever I've gone to see the Celtics, I've always watched them out of town because it's cold okay. enough here, dude. So like, if I if, I, <laughs> if I'm paying for the flights and that, I want to be um, I want to be watching it somewhere warm. You know what I mean? So like, I've got friends in LA, so I'll try and catch yeah. games when they're in LA, or I've got friends in San Francisco, so I'll try and do okay. it when I'm when you know. So just somewhere warm, but I do need to, I do need to make it to Boston, especially now I'm covering the team full time. Like I feel like that's a I have no choice but to eventually make that trip. Yeah, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it whether or not the way. I mean, this time of year is probably much better when they're in the NBA Finals and it's June, so Boston must be a little bit warmer this time of year than going yeah. in the dead of winter. You'd hope so, right? I mean, their weather system's really, like, I, I'll speak to my pal. He'd be like, oh, dude, it's raining. I'm like, okay, then two days later it's raining here or they get snow, two days later we get snow. So they're not too, like, our weather patterns are really similar, which is 
crazy to me, but that's just the way it is. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, yeah, let's get into some Celtics ball now. Um, this season in general must be, I mean, now once the playoffs started, you guys kind of expected this. I mean, even a lot of betting models had them getting to the NBA finals. We knew they were hot. The second half of the season, they've been, you know, lights out. Um, Jason Tatum, you know, he's only 19 years old still. <laughs> but as the joke keeps going, uh, obviously he's not. But um, what what does it felt? What did it feel like? Because when you guys were about 24 and 24, I think through 48 games. Yeah, it was around that point. It was like you were for a large part of the first half of the season, they were just fighting to be at that 500 mark. Yeah. And like, you know, when they finally hit it, it was an achievement. Then they dropped below, then they hit it, then they dropped below. And it was just like, man, this is coming off the back of last season. We've had a kind of like, you know, it was a first round exit against Brooklyn. It was a lot of uninspiring basketball that that was coming off the bubble where everything was really uninspiring. You couldn't even right. break down. Uh, you know, zone defense was just causing you ridiculous amounts of problems. So then you get the new head coach, you come into this season and you're struggling to keep above 500. You're struggling to even hit 500. And then you're like, man, like, you know, my biggest worry was Tatum and Brown might be, have a few more years left on their deal, mm. but it's these losing streaks and like the years of not being a contender that makes guys want to go to a new situation. Right. Um, so that was my biggest concern coming into the season. You know, I wasn't huge on Udoka at the time. I just felt like his rotations were a little bit choppy. Um, you know, I, I weren't a big fan of the offensive system he'd put in place because it wasn't working. And then obviously, over, but you you understood at the same time, like this dude's been here like six weeks, seven, eight Yes. Weeks. You know, you need to give everything time to settle. So it was kind of hard balancing like the 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 panic and keeping that level head at the same time you know but the first half of the season was tough man really really tough what 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 did you feel like was the turning point was there a game was there a moment that just like it felt like things changed so that marker smart like um that they they lost a big lead against the chicago bulls marker smart calls yep. out jason tatum Jalen brown in the press they win a few games then they go downhill again then they i can't they were on the, they were on that west coast road trip i can't remember exactly when it was but they lost like you know they lost to the clippers then they lost to the lakers i think they lost every game on that west coast road trip and then the get that trip there for me was the turning point because they come back to boston uh by all accounts they made Udoka held everybody like just in a room and just tore them like tore into every individual and then from then you started to see that change that west coast road trip for me was the end of them being bad yeah that and that makes a lot of sense like that was the last point i mean sometimes you have to hit rock bottom and have your yeah. coach rip you to shreds and someone like i mean we know marcus uh smart is probably the leader of the team like vocally of the players or al horford i guess but he's more of a silent leader um and even though Jason Tatum is the best player, but maybe, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, you're more tuned in, but did like Marcus, maybe Marcus Marks just took hold of the locker room. I, I don't know. Sometimes you need someone to take the leadership and hold it and just say, hey, I'm the leader now vocally. And maybe they just followed suit. Yeah, I think that Al Horford's one of those guys where it's very much I'm leading by example. Marcus Smart's the guy who's going to grab you by the scruff of the neck and drag you like to where you need to be. And then, like, Grant Williams has made a huge impact on the floor this year. And I feel like when you're making an impact on the floor, your voice starts to have more of an impact in the locker room, right? And 
I've had I've had multiple players and multiple staff tell me that nobody talks as much as Grant Williams. Nobody, yeah. and probably on Earth, dude. Uh, so he's definitely gonna his voice is gonna be carrying a bit more weight in that locker room at this point, or you'd at least expect it to be a voice that people would listen to. So I'm assuming he's kind of slowly grown into a role where he can start impacting things as well in terms of like a leadership role. Now that, that that's awesome, and yeah, I mean he's just he's been great. This team just, I mean, if you look at the matchup, so they're playing obviously Golden State game one tonight, and they just match up well with Golden State. They're tall, um, they're lanky, they play good defense, and I just think it's a good matchup. Now, I, I mean, I I haven't, I've gone back and forth on who I'm picking, but I mean, you as a Boston Celtics fan, without Let's put your fandom for a second aside. Do you believe they will win this series? Honestly, I believe it's a coin flip. I believe yeah. that um I believe it's going seven games. I believe that it we're gonna see runs. We're gonna see one of these two teams win two in a row, and then we're gonna see another team claw their way back into it. Mm. Uh, I think the biggest thing for me, and we can touch on this in uh in more detail if you want to is for me, the biggest thing is Boston are coming into this series with no NBA Finals experience anywhere yep. on that roster. You know, there's, there's zero. Z- and that's, uh, for me, that's huge because then if you look at, like, Golden State Warriors, between all the players, I think it's something like 129 games worth of Finals mm-hmm. experience or something ridiculous. Yeah, and if you yeah. add the coach. <laughs> yeah, dude, then you add in another, like, this is what, their six finals run in eight years. They've been to the finals six times in eight years. That experience to me is what gives the Warriors a bit of an edge, yep. you know? And like a lot of these guys will be playing, like they, they don't know if they're ever going to make the finals again because they're all aging. They're coming towards the end of their primes. Like they're going to have that extra motivation. Like this is a legacy series for us. This is, you know, you go to the finals eight times, six times, you win four of them. You know, like it's a legacy for their dynasty. Mm-hmm. So I think that that coupled with their experience does slightly give Golden State an advantage coming into this series. And that's how I feel too. And I mean, it just if you look at the, I mean, just the number you just said, this is what their eighth final appearance. Um, four, if they lose this one, it would be what, four and four? No, it would be no six final appearance, sorry, three and three. Yeah. So it'd be three and three. Yeah. Three. So four and two sounds a lot better as a legacy in a dynasty than three and three. Yeah, exactly. And, and they know they, that. They know that. And then if you look at like Steph as well, when you want to go, it's all well and good being like right now, Steph's one of the greatest guards to ever play the game. 15 years when the next generation of young Cel- uh, young Celtics, young NBA <laughs> fans come into the, into the equation and they're debating dynasties and they didn't get to see Steph play or or they don't remember. They're going to, they're, all they've got to go on is highlight reels and mm-hmm. statistics and that's where legacy comes into it, where you can just load up a Wikipedia page and be like, oh, the dude won four out of the six finals he played in, yeah. holds records here, there, and everywhere. And that's why I think that the, the the Warriors have that extra motivation, whereas, like, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, these guys, their window in Boston, you don't know how long it's open for, but they're all capable of making the finals, whether it's with Boston or with another team, for any point in their career for the next 10 years. Yeah, Steph Curry doesn't really have that luxury. Clay Thompson doesn't. Draymond doesn't. Time isn't on their side the way it is Boston's. So, I think they're going to be a very motivated team coming into this series. Yeah, and that's how I feel too for this series. I mean, I'm, I'm picking the Warriors in seven, 
but I it's kind of one of those series where it's like you said, a coin flip. One thing that kind of makes me nervous if I was a Boston Celtics fan is that last, I mean, you can either make you nervous or say they went through the lumps. That last five minutes or three minutes of the Miami Heat game seven, you could see the nerves coming out on them. They they were stuck at 98 points for God knows how long. And it seemed like they got tight because they've never been there before. So I'm wondering what they're going to be like when that stage and the whole entire world's watching. Are they going to be tight coming into tonight in the first two games and find themselves in a 2-0 hole? If they're not tight and they jump up, win game one or, or split the first two games, yeah, I think they have a really good chance to win the series. But are those nerves going to play a factor? That That's my biggest question looking at the Celtics right now. So I'm not concerned about them being tight for a game, but I'm very concerned about them freezing in a big moment do you know what i mean so if I, like if they're playing game one and we're down to three minutes left in the fourth so we enter the clutch and there's four points between the two teams right well at that point now i'm concerned because boston will freeze because as you say they've never been here before there's nobody to lean on that has the experience and you know and i could see that being a problem if, if the celtics are going to win one of the next two games and split the series which i think they have to yep um, they're going to need to get a, a sizable lead and then just hold it. You know, right. they're not going close into the clutch. Being close or going into the clutch is not a recipe for success for them. Not early in this series. And how has it been overall during the season? I mean, we know during that Brooklyn series game one, you know, in the clutch, Jason Tatum made probably the shot of a playoffs. Now that we're looking back at it. And weirdly enough, that was really close game and they went on and swept the nets and then since then i mean as a boston celtics fan you probably had multiple heart attacks two game sevens i can't even imagine like the emo up and down emotions you've been going through but overall during the season how were they in the clutch be watching them game to game yeah like so the first half of the season they were dropping games from winning positions left right and center they just couldn't figure it out uh second half of the season i think it's more about their defense right like they've been very good at just shutting things down on that side of the floor and using that to generate off easy offense, you know, transition buckets or whatever, you know, driving the lane and drawing fouls. And I think that that's what they're going to be trying to get back to in this series. The only downside is Golden State have a generational type offense. Yeah. You know, everybody's going to be shooting threes from deep, everybody's going to be spreading out the defense. And that's where my concern is because if you're not shutting guys down, but one of Boston's biggest problems is when things aren't going their way, their head tends to drop and their, their motivation effort levels seem to get, get depleted rather than some teams will like gear themselves up and push harder. Right. Boston tend to shrink a little bit and that's just because of the age. And again, the lack of experience at this level. Um, so I do, it is a concern. I think that Boston's best chance coming into these first two games is to throw the first punch. Yeah, you know, get Jason Tatum going early. I do think that the Celtics have an advantage in terms of physicality, size, and strength, mm -hmm. and I think that they're very capable of bullying the Warriors for stretches. And I'd I'd ask them to do that in this first game more than any. Is set the tone for the physicality and make Golden State adjust to you. Don't you don't adjust to the way Golden State play. Take Golden State out of their comfortable like their um you know, where they're comfy and really make them have to adjust to the physical side of the game. And if I, I think that's Boston's best chance of getting an early advantage. 
And you say make him uncomfortable. Is that by how? Like just by fighting through all the screens? Like, because, you know, the one thing that is also concerning Boston's, I, I mean, I don't know how their legs are still holding up. Game seven, game seven. And now you're playing the Warriors and it's nonstop movement. I mean, that's why, you know, as someone who doesn't have a team, I enjoy watching Golden State so much. I love watching that type of basketball where it's constant moving. Steph, screen, pool, screen. Wiggins, I mean, it's constant motion. It's like poetry. So my my thing is, is, is Boston rested up enough and ready to take on this in game one? That's why everyone wanted game six to get one, right? That's why they yeah. wanted them to deal with Miami on the home floor in game six. That you would have had more rest time. I'd say that there's something to be said, like there's something to be said about Boston having less rest and being able to ride that momentum, being in a bit more rhythm than what Golden State are. Yeah. Uh, so there's always that, but over, like that's only going to take you so far through one game. It's not yeah. going to take you through the whole series. Um, I think that the Celtics have had a more physical run to the finals. You know, I think that Golden the, the Warriors series against um, Memphis was quite yeah. physical, but I think that was as tough as it got. Right. You know, and then Morant been... got hurt. So it's like, okay, their best player. And I know a lot of people point out, oh, uh, Middleton was hurt on the Bucks. I mean, but you can't really compare Middleton hurt on the Bucks and Morant hurt on the Grizzlies. Yeah, it's completely different because when Morant goes down, you're not dealing with a Giannis type guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. People, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think both teams have an opportunity to uh, win and both have their pros and cons in terms of being healthy, being fit. I know that um, Shams tweeted out earlier today that GP2 is going to be suiting yep. up with the intention to play. I think he could be a potential X factor in this series for Golden State due to his explosiveness. He's quite good defensively as well, maybe as like a little undersized rim protector there. Mm-hmm. And then on Boston's side, I'm expecting Peyton Pritchard to play quite a big part as um as a like like matching Steph's like floor spacing. I don't think obviously yeah. he's not going to have the same gravity or success rate, but he can hit them from deep, and I think that's yeah, going to be can. vital. Yeah, it's going to be. It's you know I was thinking when this finals was finally set, and it, it's literally come full circle, right? From the the Warriors were playing playing you know boston i think it was the first game where it was steph dre um clay and pool playing in the same game and together and marcus smart uh some say dove at steph's leg some say steph or drove for a loose ball uh steve kerr called it a dirty play i i don't think these teams necessarily love each other but um i don't personally think it was a dirty play but it's kind of come full circle right i mean this is a that game was the Celtics were starting to get good and the Warriors were finally at full strength. And we first quarter, Steph gets hurt. And now it's full circle. We're going to really find out who these teams are really, you know, who's the best team in the NBA. Because really, I mean, when the Warriors have been healthy, they've been the best team in the NBA this year or the Celtics. I think that there's no question that a healthy Warriors team is the best team in the NBA. Yeah. And I don't think that's been a question for the last nearly decade it's just that clay hasn't been healthy for two years right. 2.5 years you know um i will say that i think marcus smart has a slight bit of real estate in steph curry's head um yeah. because you know he's put, uh, over their careers since smart entered the league steph shooting 29 when guided by marcus smart throughout his mm. throughout their careers not one game not two we're talking this is a 10 game sample size yeah marcus smart has held steph curry to 29 percent shooting that's remarkable <laughs> through 
the Warriors dynasty from when Marcus Smart has been in the league. So the teams have faced each other 10 times. The Celtics have won six of them, the Warriors four. So there, there is a point where I'm like, man, the, you can't match up with a team any better than what Boston does with Golden State right now. But the differences in styles are huge. Um, I think there's a slight difference in talent where Golden State have the edge. I mean, you've yeah. got Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, for God's sake. There's all, <laughs> you're always going to have the edge. Do you know, Jordan Poole's been fantastic. And, and Andrew Wiggins go- was the number one overall pick for a reason. He's ultra talented. It just does we don't know which Andrew Wiggins we're getting. On a I mean, they game, called basically. him Maple Jordan in Cottage, dude. You don't own the Maple <laughs> Jordan nickname for no reason. <laughs> it's a great nickname. Unfortunately, no one calls him that anymore because he never really lived <laughs> up to it. He's been good though defensively. I think he was yeah. really good on Luca. Um, I've I done a deep dive on how to exploit Andrew Wiggins' defense yesterday. Yeah, uh, I saw that on the on the Celtics block. Tell us a little bit about that. I know we don't get too analytical on this pod, but like it, it's some good insight. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was mainly, and I'll just keep it simple. Like um, Andrew Wiggins really struggles to navigate his way through screens on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. He just gets caught up so much. And um uh, so I'm like, hey, if you're Wiggins is probably the guy that's going to spend the majority of the time on Tatum because they like Draymond Green to be in that like free safety role, like where right. he's on the weak side rotating over to protect the rim. So I think like you know, if you're looking, if you're Jason Tatum, you just want to keep running Wiggins into screens, forcing him off you, forcing space. And if they if they give Tatum that type of space that because we, Wiggins was giving Lucas some space when he was running mm-hmm. into screens, Lucas just not as good a three point shooter and he's not as willing as a passer. Right, you know he's a talented passer, but Luca likes the ball in his own hands rather than somebody else's. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Tatum can really really hurt Wiggins um, coming off pick and rolls, coming off um, pin downs and stuff. And I don't think that by game three, I don't think we see Wiggins spending too much time on Tatum because they'll just keep screening him out of possessions. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see who goes on there because you don't want to take Draymond out of that, uh, like, as you said, free safety role. And then uh, I don't know who else can guard Tatum. I mean, no one's really going to stop Jason Tatum, right? I mean, he's going to be, he's going to get his own buckets. But if you are making it a little bit harder on them and, and making them fight for every basket, that's what the Warriors want to do. But I think that's really interesting. And did you just go through every, like, possession to find like or did you have someone tip you about the screen thing oh no i watched every defensive possession from the start of the playoffs to now wow um and then i watched every defensive possession on luca probably two or three times just to see exactly how they created that space that luca was getting um, and then i just i, I do, i'm notorious for it like i'm it's kind of my niche but like i literally just sat there notepad and just mm-hmm. kept writing down what had happened what my thoughts were and then by the end of it, I had a really good idea of how everyone was fight like scheming against him. And then you know you already know what the team you cover does, so it was quite right. easy to put put the pieces together at that point. And that's awesome. That's a great way to to look at it. I mean, they, that's that probably just what the coaches do too, right? I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> they just so get hopefully... paid a lot more money. <laughs> <laughs> they also yeah. know a lot more, so it's fair. Yeah, I mean, hey, you're working hard, man. So give yourself some credit there. But um, what one last question here? So I know you said you're picking the Warriors in seven, correct? Yeah, I'm. I'm I've said it That's was a prediction. coin flip. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take the Celtics in seven, but I do think it's a coin flip. I think it's okay. very easily go either way. All right. So the question here is, 
whether or not they win the NBA Finals, is this a success? Is this a success? I mean, is this just icing on the cake if they hold hold up the trophy at the end of the season? Yeah, I mean, I came into the season expecting a second round exit. I was very prepared to see this team fall in the second round and class it as a successful season. So as far as I'm concerned, make it winning, making the conference finals was a successful. So this is just whatever may be, may be at this point. Like I'm just here for the ride. I it's love, definitely I love. a successful season. Yeah. And what, I guess what I, I know I said last question, but I do have one thing I want to add about Jason Tatum here. This is legacy, right? I mean, let's just say they do win the NBA finals. Now we're talking about Jason Tatum. I, I joked that he's 19 years old earlier, but he's what, 23 now? 24. Yeah, 24. 24 years old. To win his first NBA championship at 24 and beat a team like the Warriors and be the best player on the Boston Celtics. Now we're talking about a guy who's going to be entering, you know, super duper stardom. Um, guy who, who does that is a perennial MVP candidate. I mean, he just kind of puts himself all of a sudden from a guy we're talking about first team all NBA to this guy can carry a team to a championship. I, I, what, what is this? What would a championship mean to Jason Tatum's, I guess, rise as an NBA superstar? Yeah. So for me personally, I think that right now his stock has risen too close to superstar anyway, because he's yeah. led a young team to the NBA finals through right. Kevin Durant, through, um, Giannis through Jimmy Butler, he he deserves that recognition, win or lose, win, lose or draw. Right. Uh, but I do think that if you win this series and you're a 24 year old first team All NBA, two time, three time All Star champion at 24, <laughs> like like dude, your resume is longer than like 90 percent of people that ever played in the league at that point. And you're 24, like you're a superstar. You're getting a supermax contract on your next extension. You're going to be one of the faces of the NBA for the rest of your career, or at least now for the five years. Yeah, and now you're talking about someone who is setting himself up to make a run to be. I mean, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but when someone wins a championship and is that caliber at 24, now you got 10, 10 to 12 years of really good basketball left, and you're setting yourself up to make a run to be a top 15 player of all time. Yeah, and you're and you're chasing the best player of your franchise in franchise history type legacy. Now, when you're playing for the Celtics and you've got Bill Russell to be, Larry Bird, Paul Pierce, Garnett, Kuzi, there's such a rich heritage that I think that drives certain people. Some people I think it kind of that weight weighs heavy on you. Right. And some people I think they're like, Yeah, I know what steps I need to take to be that guy. And I think Tatum's kind of got his eyes on being not only being a top 15, top 20 guy in NBA history, but going down as the top Celtic to ever lace them up as well. And I think that drives him at the same time. I love I love it. Yeah, and I, I love his I love his attitude. I love the way he plays. He's an easy guy to root for, right? I mean, it's, it's I don't think too many even people who don't care about the Celtics, I don't think anyone watches Jason Tatum, like, yeah, man, I can't fucking stand that guy. I mean, he's very, <laughs> he's very likable. Yeah, he's a uh, super humble, super quiet. Um, yeah, he's he's a, he's a star, dude. And I like what I like is he's a star without the braggadocious like, yeah. attitude that goes with it. So to me, that's relatable because I'm like, yo, I was always taught humility, like even in success and defeat. And Tatum's just humble all the time. Whenever you watch the, I mean, I've never met the guy, but whenever you watch the, um press conferences whenever you see him on podcasts when he's with draymond yeah. or he's with jj reddick and he can be like when you're in that sort of setting you can be yourself and then he just didn't change 
Yeah, no, no, and he, he's remarkable. And that tandem with Jalen Brown, it looks like it's going to be a nice tandem for Celtic fans to watch for the next 10 to 12 years. So congratulations on having that. <laughs> Hopefully uh, Seattle gets an NBA team back and we can get some sort of uh, duo like that coming to Seattle one day. You know, I mean, it's possible, dude. Seattle was like, you know, everybody wants the Supersonics back. Yeah, yeah. We're, no, we're, we're ready for it. I mean, the days of Gary Payton and Sean Kemp, Miss those, but uh, hey, who knows? Maybe uh, I, I don't know. There's going to be expansion, but maybe we can get someone like Zion and build around him at some point. I wouldn't go with Zion. He never plays, dude. I know. I, I'm buying. I'm buying all my all the Zion stock. If you have Zion stock to sell me, I'm ready to buy it. <laughs> because look at Joel Embiid. Right? We said said the same thing about Joel Embiid his first two seasons in the NBA. This is true. This is true. There was just a far less questions about Embiid's commitment and attitude than what there are about Zion's. No, that's very true. But we got that's what we got to get Zion out of New Orleans. The food there is too good. Too many po boys. Get him somewhere with you know some seafood like Seattle. He can eat healthy. Get him some salmon on a salmon diet, and we we can change Zion. We, we can need the NBA Zion. team first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> I mean I'm willing to see Seattle Zion. I'm down. <laughs> Well, perfect. Well, thank you so much, man. Um, do you have anything else you want to plug? I know you started a YouTube channel, so if you want to tell people about that, yeah. So, um, I haven't. I'm launching that this week, so probably okay. just after the finals. But um, if you're into like the X's and O's of the game, I've got an Instagram chat page that literally just posts play breakdown, play breakdowns. Um, so you can go follow that at Adam Taylor NBA, or you can just follow me on Twitter, and you'll see all my other stuff there, whether it's a podcast or an article at Adam Taylor NBA on Twitter as well. Awesome. Thank you very hey. much for having me, though. I'm, oh, thank, like, honestly, thank you I'm so much for coming on, man. It's it's uh, it's it's really cool to meet someone from Birmingham that is a Celtics fan and covering the Celtics. It's remarkable. So um, you're working really hard, and it it shows. It really shows uh, all your commitment. Oh man, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You're, you're welcome, man. And all right, so podcast is done now. But uh, man, thank you so much for. Mm-hmm.